Hey guys, welcome to Razorbackology Talks. This is the second edition of the Ruta Roundup. If you have not seen the first one, I recommend go checking it out. It was from April 16th, but I appreciate you joining me on this gorgeous Friday in Fayetteville. Uh, I look forward to talking to Anthony Ruta, but before we get into it, I want to shout out my sponsor, Kick Vintage. They've been in the vintage scene for 10 years, specializing in 80s, 90s, early Y2K curated artware and the craziest Razorback gear. Seriously, go check them out. Check them out on Instagram at Kick Vintage if you're looking for something original and unique or check them out at their next pop-up. All right, let's get into it. Anthony Ruda, coach, what is going on? Everything's going good. Just uh, you know, clicking into July, and 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 finally, you know, things starting to slow down a little bit before uh, you know the recruiting live periods hit in July, and and we hit the ground running back up again. Last time we talked in mid-April, and I think we kind of knew this that you know the way the the Razorback program works. People are recruiting left and right, and people are committing left and right, and it's a uh, it's a cycle that you guys are running. And sure enough, we got two guys, Jackson Robinson from Texas A&M and Trey Wade from Wichita State. Can you talk a little bit about those two? Yeah, I mean, I think like, uh, you know, if you look at Jackson first, um, you know, that was a kid that we had recruited very heavily when he was coming out of high school, um, you know, and he decided he's actually should be an incoming freshman this year. He decided to reclassify last year. Went to Texas A&M, you know, a year early, Um, you know, and that was somebody that we were really disappointed at the end of the day when we didn't, um, you know, land a commitment from the first time around. Um, But, you know, it's like whether it's Jackson or, you know, other guys down the road, um, you know, this recruiting stuff, especially with the transfer portal, um, you know, there's you're just always better off taking the high road with things. And, um, you know, he committed to Texas A&M and then a year later. Um, you know, decided to transfer and we, you know, spent a lot of time talking to him. Um, you know, we obviously had known Jackson and his family really well, and we just felt like it would be a great fit, um, you know, with his size and length, um, you know, his ability to shoot the ball, um, you know, who he is as a kid and his family, um, you know, and then obviously his work ethic in the gym. Um, we were really excited to land that commitment, um, you know, from Jackson. He's been doing a, uh, a phenomenal job, um, you know, since arriving on campus. And then uh, you look at a guy like Trey Wade, he's kind of the epitome of what we look for in a player. Um, somebody that can play multiple positions, somebody that can uh, more importantly guard multiple positions. Um, you know, he's got a phenomenal body, a, a great wingspan, and he's just a winner. Like he's just one of those guys that, um, you know, probably his best trait is toughness. And then, um, you know, you kind of look across the board and he just kind of does everything uh, pretty well. And, uh, you know, him and uh, Jackson are two guys that we're really excited about. We feel like they'll be uh, great, exi- you know, additions for us going forward. So yesterday was a pretty monumental day in the NCAA with the name image likeness um, rolling out and players are now able to monetize off their brand. 
this is huge news. How do you, how do you think it's going to impact recruiting and it's just like, what are your thoughts on it? Because I have so many questions about how it's going to, how it's going to work, but what, what are the thoughts from you? Well, I think like from the, you know, you look at the NIL and I, and first I, I wish we wouldn't abbreviate it NIL because I confuse it all the time with the NLI, the national letter of intent. And I feel like I can't be the only person that does that. But um, you know, if you look at the, uh, you know, NIL, um, you know, I think first and foremost, anything that benefits the student athlete, um, you know, we're all for it as, as college coaches. Like we want to make sure like our student athletes, um, you know, are in the best position to be successful on and off the floor. Um, you know, I think as an athletic department, uh, Hunter Juracek and, um, you know, his support staff around him have done a phenomenal job kind of being out ahead of this NIL and not, you know, hitting it with any pushback like there might be with some other athletic departments or, or whatever. But, um, you know, Hunter was really out in front of it, hired, uh, you know, former track athlete Terry Prentice to, um, you know, kind of be the startup, uh, you know, the first full time position of a, a guy that's, uh, you know, strictly in charge of NIL and helping our guy with our guys with our branding and everything like that. And then, um, you know, Michael Musselman from our office has kind of been at the forefront, um, you know, just kind of keeping us, uh, you know, as coaches and, and the staff, um, you know, in the loop on as much as possible. And, um, you know, he's kind of given us like a crash course on everything. So, you know, we're really excited. I mean, it's uncharted territory. So um, I think all of us, whether it's, um, you know, coaches, players, um, you know, people on the outside, I think everybody's kind of, learning quite a bit of stuff, um, you know, as we go on the fly. I'm sure some people have, have thoughts of like, is this going to be a scenario where the rich get richer? You know, like the, the biggest schools have, have the most money and the most sponsorships and the, the biggest businesses. And do you think it's, some people probably think that those smaller schools are kind of the small fish and they may get left out. Do you foresee any of that happening or do you think it's going to be pretty steady and even as we go forward? Well, I don't really think like, you know, whether it's NIL or, uh, you know, a budget or whatever it is, like, I don't think there's really like anything that's quote unquote, even across college sports or really any business in, in general. But I do think like, um, you know, an interesting factor on all of this is going to be kind of, uh, you know, the geography aspect of, um, you know, where certain colleges are around the country and, you know, who are they competing with? Like if it's a, um, you know, company that's looking for an athlete to help with their brand or whatever, you know, if you're in a highly populated uh, metropolitan area where there's four different pro teams and, you know, 50 miles away, there's another couple of pro teams. Like there's just a lot of competition for that, um, you know, one athlete or whatever they're looking for. So, um, you know, I do think, it, you know, from that standpoint, like it should be a, you know, benefit for a place like Arkansas. But, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I think we're all in kind of uncharted territory and, you know, we just all got to figure it out as we go. And, and you know, there might be, um, you know, a couple uh, windy roads or whatever, and you, you know, as you figure everything out. Coach, you went to school at Arizona State. If you were a hooper or a basketball player, student athlete, what would be your choice of sponsorship? What would there be a restaurant down there that you're like, yeah, 
let me roll in the cash and I'm going to get to eat here for free for the rest of my life. Like, well, if you were a player, what, what would some of your sponsorships look like? Oh, I mean, first and foremost would probably be Chipotle. Um, you know, I'm a big Chipotle guy. I could literally eat there uh, every day of the week. And, um, you know, I try to actually uh, do that. And um, so I think first and foremost would be Chipotle. And then, um, you know, I have to, see uh see where we'd go from there but but uh you know if Chipotle's looking for um you know an older washed up uh non-student athlete to uh tweet a couple burrito bowls just let me know uh you can sign in my dms yeah I'll, I'll make sure to tag him in the instagram post when you release this later and let you know if we have any luck but um, it looked like you were going to some baseball games uh, this spring, some of the regional and super regional games. Uh, kind of talk about talk about just the baseball program a little bit and the, just the environment of of Baum Walker and the 11,000 fans we were around. I mean, that was unbelievable. I think like our so when we had first got to Arkansas with Coach Muss like that, first year and just kind of like any any first year with a job especially in college athletics like you're kind of running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you don't really get to like I went to a couple baseball games but you didn't really get to feel the experience and then obviously last year with the pandemic so you know we're really looking forward to you know when our season concluded just being able to go out there and support the baseball team and you know whether it's uh you know baseball or uh, you know, Sam Pittman with football or Mike Davis with women's basketball, like, um, you know, as kind of like a coaching staff and as a, a you know, really as a family, like, um, you know, Coach Musselman has really instilled with us to, uh, you know, support the other teams on campus. And we try to go to as many um, different games, whether it's softball, soccer, um, you know, and just try to support as much as we can. But, you know, with the baseball games, that atmosphere is really second to none. Um, you know, and I got to experience, you know, fortunately, like sitting behind home plate, um, you know, that experience was really good. But I think, uh, you know, that experience in the hog pen is really second to none. I mean, you're just you're in there with, uh, you know, rabid fan base. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, when we had played NJIT, um, you know, in the first round of the regionals, uh, Pat Ackerman on our staff is really close friends with uh, a coach on the NJIT team. And, you know, we were talking to him like, uh, you know, a couple nights later and he said, Hey, like the craziest thing ever is like, cause he's a pitching coach. So we walked out on the mound and, you know, obviously when there's a pitching change or just kind of like a timeout in baseball uh, you know, that hog call gets really ruckus. And, and he said, it was just insane because you're out on that Island, you're out on the mound and you just have it coming from all these different angles. And he said, you couldn't even hear yourself think. And, um, you know, it's funny because I'm in a hog pen and I just talking to random people or whatever. And, you know, I said, this is so crazy. Like, it's so loud. Uh, you know, I can't even hear myself thinking here. And they go, well, what do you think it's like at Bud Walton? And Bud Walton's 20,000. There's only 11, whatever. And I'm like, well, I, I didn't really even like think any of that. But no, it's a, it was such a great experience. And the baseball team had, uh, you know, one, one heck of a year, uh, you know, such an easy team to root for. Yeah. That's, that's really cool too. How, 
I mean, it feels like all of the sports have embraced each other. And, you know, at the basketball games, you got Devo and Kamani Johnson and Connor Vanover. They're, they're all hanging out in the hog pen. And um, how much, like, is it, I always think from like a recruiting standpoint, like, is that, is that really a recruiting tool when like you can, you can show other recruits like, Hey, this is the fan base that's around you and you can have players attest to, yeah, like we love, like you're coming here for basketball, but at the same time, like this is an athletic program. This isn't just a basketball school. Like, is that like really a recruiting tool? Cause it feels like it, it should be. And it is. Well, we, I mean, we actually, um, you know, we'll, when we have kids on campus or even like, um, you know, when we talk to them, I mean, we talk quite a bit about being a campus of champions, whether that's, you know, the baseball program or track and field or, you know, us, women's basketball, whatever it is, soccer, um, you know, softball had an unbelievable year, um, you know, so you kind of like look across the board, it, it really is a campus of champions and then, um, you know, I think you look at, uh, you know, something as simple as like the Jones Center, where all the student athletes, you know, do their academics or tutoring and, um, you know, they eat in there. And it's just for the 400 or so student athletes. So they're constantly crossing paths. And, you know, I think there's a lot of campuses, um, you know, throughout the country where, uh, you know, certain sports teams don't get along or there might be, uh, you know, a little bit of like a jealousy or something like that. I feel like here, uh, you know, Hunter Juracek is really instilled and, and you know, kind of trickles down from the head coaches uh, on through to their coaching staffs and into the players where, you know, we're a family, like we're, you know, it's kind of sounds cliche, the one Razorback, but like, I really feel like we are because, you know, it just seems like everybody is all pulling in the same direction. Like you said, like our players going out and, you know, supporting the different uh, sports programs and vice versa. Like, you know, you look at a uh, basketball game, you look in the student section, uh, you know, women's basketball players, baseball players, softball players. So, you know, it really is, uh, you know, a campus of champions and, you know, it, it is really cool to see. Yeah, you mentioned the campus of champions and this morning Arkansas finished eighth place in the Learfield Directors Cup, which to my knowledge is important. And in what it also does, it, it just combines all the sports um, and associates a point value to all the sports and kind of combines them. So uh, that's pretty cool to be eighth place. And I, th I think it was third place in the SEC, which isn't too shabby. Yeah, no doubt. With the NBA playoffs going on, we got Bobby Portis and the Bucks. They just had a big uh, win last night. They're playing the Hawks. And then the Suns, I believe, are in the NBA Finals now. So uh, are you rooting for any of these teams, or has your team uh, already been eliminated? You know, like, it's funny. If you look at the NBA, I mean, I, I wouldn't say necessarily, like, I really have a team. I mean, I think, um, you know, it, you look at it now, and, and I think, like, a lot of people are more – like fans of players per se. Like I kind of just watch it from a basketball coach standpoint, obviously, um, you know, I do have a rooting interest for, you know, guys that I've coached that are, you know, in the NBA, but, you know, also to like uh, Razorbacks like Bobby Portis and Patrick Beverly, you obviously want to see them do really well. And, um, you know, you look at a guy like Bobby, um, you know, it's kind of like the epitome of, you know, that next man up where, you know, Giannis is down and not necessarily uh, minutes or whatever you want to say, but like the the shots and like the opportunity to affect the game is, you know, when you lose an all-star, you know, MVP type candidate like Giannis, like 
not just one person, but multiple people have to step up to fill that void. And, you know, it's really cool, irrespective of Bobby being an Arkansas guy, um, just seeing him come in and, and really, um, you know, take on a bigger role and have such a big impact. And I think, um, you know, that's what the playoffs and everything, is, you know, it's all about because, um, you know, when you play in these seven game series and, you know, the coaches know every play that's coming from the opponent and vice versa and the players and everything like that. So, um, you know, there is opportunity for the kind of unsung hero to step up and have a big impact. And it's uh, really cool to see a guy like Bobby uh, be able to take advantage of that. He's, he's definitely filled in well um, with movie theaters, you know, able to, they're starting to roll back out and people are starting to, getting their recliners in the theaters and, and, and watch a movie on the massive screens. I, I know they had the purge premiered this weekend and fast and furious came out, I think last week and quiet place. What are some, uh, what are some movies and or TV shows you've been tuning into this summer that are must watches for hog fans? Well, I think with the pandemic, I cleaned out about every single documentary there was of interest, like with Netflix, like think about, like Tiger King, like all the way back in, I mean, that was really like the start of the pandemic and that, that feels like it was like 10 years ago. It was only like a little over a year, but I mean, you know, that was a, um, yeah, that was a must watch early on in the pandemic. Um, you know, I'm also kind of the guy though, like I've seen a bunch of movies, but I kind of go back to like old reliable, like there's a list of about 10 movies. That I just kind of watch like on loop, like Goodfellas, a Bronx Tale, um, you know, I'm a big Adam Sandler fan, like the 1995 to 2002 Adam Sandler. I think it kind of depends on like what age you are, where like people that aren't kind of in that age group, they might be like four or five years younger than me. They remember him for some of the less funny, not as good type movies that were later on. But, um, you know, I've, I've gone back and, I finished Entourage start to finish, The Office start to finish. And then um, I'm right now like halfway through Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is like my third or fourth time watching it. So I'm kind of boring in that sense. Like I, I, I love watching new documentaries and stuff like that. But like when it comes to like movies and TV shows, if I find something I really like, I'll just go back and rewatch it a couple of times. I'm assuming you've seen uh, Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems with Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I wasn't. Eh. It was. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, it was like a five five point four out of ten. All right, that's that fair. And, uh, and Hubie Halloween was even worse. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I agree with you. On but that. that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's a whole, you know, group of people that see Adam Sandler for like those type of movies, yeah. and I see him for like the Billy Madisons and, yeah. um, you know, the Happy Gilmores and Big Daddy. Like those were great movies, but like. These ones later on, uh, not so much. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So last thing, and then we'll wrap this up. I, I couldn't get an interview with you without asking about the schedule. And there have been a couple schedule game leaks. And so I need to come to you to confirm. But so far, I have Gardner-Webb, Central Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Tulsa at the BOK Center. I think that was pretty much confirmed. Elon or El Elon, I think it's Elon, and then West Virginia Elon. and the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. So, can you confirm nor deny any or all oh, of those? Those are matchups? all. Those are all accurate, and I think um, you know everybody kind of has a fan base. Just has to be a little patient with 
you know, making sure, you know, the schedule gets out. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we, we anticipate within the next three to four weeks, everything getting finished and, and finalized, um, you know, just kind of like the economics of things when you look at the pandemic and, you know, really, um, I feel like everything kind of like hit like quickly, like whether it was April or May or whatever, where everything kind of got opened back up, um, you know, so once things kind of open back up and, you know, you got full attendance and everything like that, um, you know, that kind of completely changes the scheduling philosophy and standpoint from that sense. So, um, you know, we're really excited about our schedule. We feel like it'll be um, really challenging, but also, um, you know, we anticipate, you know, the neutral site games that are going to be exciting games, but also, uh, you know, some enticing home games as well and some good matchups. Yeah, I was, and you kind of touched on it, but I, I was going to see if the, the dynamic of this schedule is going to be a little, obviously it'll be a little different. I assume it's going to be a little more, you know, widespread in terms of not every non-conference game isn't from a bordering state. I assume that this year we'll be able to spread our wings a little more and be more comfortable with uh, other teams flying or driving into Arkansas that are from, you know, farther out. So I assume that we'll be able to kind of spread our wings in that sense. Yeah. I think there'll be like a more, more of that, but also too, like, um, you know, there is something to be said for, um, you know, kind of as much as you can, like a regional, um, you know, regionally based schedule where, um, you know, look for us to start kind of um, more frequently playing in state teams. I think that was, something positive that kind of came out of the pandemic was, uh, you know, being able to play Central Arkansas last year, uh, you know, in, in state school. And we'll look uh, in the future to, you know, start scheduling some more in-state schools. And, um, you know, we want to we have variety with our schedule. Like, we don't want to be circling through the same, you know, handful of teams for uh, in the non-conference every year. But also, too, like, um, you know, I think when you have – uh, you know, kind of like name brand schools that are within driving distance of, the, of uh, you know, Fayetteville. I think that also helps too, rather than flying in teams from different parts of the country that just don't have that necessarily name recognition or, you know, players from the state or whatever it may be. Um, but I think you'll, you'll see it won't be as regionally based as this year's schedule was, but I think we'll kind of, you know, combine the two theories and, you know, really try to build as good a schedule as we can. That's awesome. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And last, as we wrapped up the last episode, you said that you thought I would lose followers based off the corny uh, Ruta Roundup name. And I can tell you for certain, I, I did not lose followers off that. I, I think I gained a couple. So that's all props to you. Perfect. Well, we got to keep it going then. We got to get people to, uh, you know, tune in and, and uh, be dialed into uh, the Ruta Roundup. Yeah, if the NCAA allowed the name image likeness for your brand, I think you should definitely get be getting uh, paid whatever whatever you're getting paid now. You should be getting paid a little more for uh, doing these po podcasts and bringing viewers to my name. So I, uh, I really do appreciate that. Hey, I just uh, like I said, all I need is a Chipotle burrito or a burrito bowl and I'll be good to go. Sounds good. It's always fun talking to you, and I'll see you in about six weeks to wrap up the three-episode series of the famous Ruta Roundup. Perfect. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you.